Welcome to the Political R&D Podcast. I'm Robbie Krieger-Smith. And I'm Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. We bring political analysis and commentary on events in Alberta and Canadian politics. We discuss policy and look for expert insights into topics relevant to government, policymakers, and issues that face voters. Hi, Robbie. Hi, Deirdre. This is episode two, and we are recording on March 17th, 2019. Today, we're discussing the kamikaze campaign for the UCP leadership and the investigation into alleged fraud and illegal donations. Okay, so as most people are doing this weekend, let's take a quick run through the timeline of events related to the news that came out, or I guess right up until the news that came out this weekend. So going way back to August 10th, 2017, is when Jeff Calloway entered the leadership race for the United Conservative Party. And lots of things happened during that time, but October the 4th, 2017, Jeff Calloway dropped out. Uh, and he also, when he dropped out, alleged bullying from the Gene Camp, uh, specifically an appointee to the interim joint board. His name was, sorry, from a gentleman whose name was Brandon Swartz. It turned out he was not a Gene appointee, but in fact had been nominated by Callaway. Accusations of Callaway being a stalking horse candidate surfaced on October 4th. In an interview with Jason Kenney on Global TV, Kenney states that Jeff is his own man and had made up his own mind. On October the 27th, 2017, Rick McIver's office manager, Brody Parker, sent a sent directions to a Kenny campaign worker on how to install IP blockers on their computers so that multiple votes could be made on a single computer and not be tracked. UCP leadership winner was announced on October 28, 2017. Jason Kenny was announced as the United Conservative Party's first leader with the announcement leaking online before attendees at the leadership event were informed. And then everything was hunky-dory for almost a year, at least, as far as the leadership campaigns went. On November 30th, 2018, an anonymous complaint was sent to the election commissioner regarding irregular donations being made to Callaway's campaign. In that complaint, 18 donors were identified who had money given to them. It's an offense under the Election Finances and Contributions Disclosure Act to make a donation with money that was given to you by somebody else. The complaint also alleged that a significant amount of Callaway campaign money may have come from a PAC. On December the 6th, 2018, Prab Gill also alleged that, quote, party leaders have used envelopes full of undisclosed, undisclosed PAC cash to interfere with the leadership contest in parties like the UCP. On December 11th, 2018, a recording of Wendy Adams, a UCP organizer for Southern Alberta, talking about Callaway being a kamikaze candidate are discovered. The recording had actually been online since March of 2018. In the audio clip, she says, you know Jeff, he's announcing Thursday, which replaced that audio recording having occurred somewhere between August 4th and 9th, prior to Callaway's previous announcement on August 10th. On December the 17th, 2018, Happy Man 
came out asking for a judicial inquiry into the 2017 leadership campaign. Mann was disqualified as candidate for Calgary Falcon Ridge, and he himself had also donated to uh, Callaway's campaign in the amount of $3,000. On December 19th, 2018, Mann told media that he had had meetings with Callaway and Kenny regarding the kamikaze plot. On December the 21st, 2018, it is learned that retired Edmonton Police Detective Ken Brander has been hired to help investigate the allegations regarding the Callaway campaign. He has extensive money laundering and fraud investigation experience. In January of 2019, Election Commissioner Lauren Gibson sends letters to several people warning them about attempts to obstruct his investigation into the anonymous complaint. On February the 11th, Proud Gill writes a letter to Deputy Police Commissioner Curtis Zablocki regarding voting fraud, uh, allegations that voting kiosks had been set up uh, in warehouses and that false emails were put into membership records that the campaign, or sorry, that Kenny's campaign accessed with pins that were sent over the course of three days. It's alleged that these pins were used to vote fraudulently for a leader within the UCP leadership campaign, which he announced in a press conference in the legislature's rotunda on February the 13th. On February 12th, Kenny denies that he or anyone on his team had a role to play in organizing the Callaway campaign. On February the 24th, Kenny says all the campaigns had VPNs, nothing to see here. Brian Jean immediately reacts, saying that his campaign never cheated by using VPNs on February 25th, and he calls on Kenny in the media to put, to retract that statement. On February the 26th, campaign manager Cameron Davies is fined $15,000 for obstruction of an investigation by the election commissioner. On February 28th, Karen Brown, a UCP member from Calgary, was fined $3,500 for donating funds given or furnished by another person, an offence under the previously mentioned EFCDA. On March 5th, video of Proud Gill leaving a meeting with NDP staffer Jeremy Nolay in the federal building is posted. The video is edited to look like security footage, and the UCP alleges that Gill is conspiring with the NDP against the UCP. Gill refutes that and states he's meeting with the government regarding school funding for a school in his constituency and backs this up with emails. On March 6th, the UCP removes Randy Kerr as candidate in Calgary Beddington because he was not forthright about his donation to the Callaway campaign. Kerr was co-campaign manager for the Callaway campaign along with Davies. On March the 6th, Prab Gill publicly acknowledges that he, re he received a cease and desist letter from Jason Kenney's lawyers. It was sent to him on February the 25th by Stephen Delansky, UCP lawyer. Mm. On March 10th, the UCP denies that Callaway was used as a kamikaze candidate or that anyone from Kenney's team played a role in organizing funding for Callaway. On Friday, March the 15th, Alberta Elections Commissioner confirms that the file regarding illegal contributions has been handed over to the RCMP because he uncovered potential violations that fall outside of his jurisdiction. Just yesterday, Saturday, March 16th, documents are leaked to the media from the fined Callaway campaign manager Davies that show that Kenny did in fact know about and was involved in the organization of the Callaway campaign. Kenny attended meetings with Davies and Callaway 
as well as a thank you party for volunteers following Callaway's dropping out of the leadership race. And Sunday, March 17th, today, emails are leaked from Kenny's Deputy Chief of Staff, Matt Wolf, between himself and Davies, and copying Shuvaloy Majumder, an associate of Stephen Harper's who formerly advised the Cabinet when he was Prime Minister, and who is currently working for Harper and Associates. So, quite wow. a bit of history there. <laughs> so, it reads sadly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are the issues that you identify within that timeline, Deirdre? Uh, I mean, there's there's absolutely a number of, of issues within there. Um, you know, aside from, I, I think we've already had a little bit of discussion about this, that one of the things within that timeline is that that actually confuses me on a fairly regular basis is which of the events are illegal and which of the events are simply unethical so that's one thing yeah um there's a few things for me that stand out uh the potential for monetary donations that have been illegally made and with us already seeing fines levied by the elections commissioner uh, we know that fines have been levied against Davies. We know that fines have been levied against the brown woman. Mm-hmm. And so Davies has said he's going to appeal those fines and that he didn't have an opportunity to make any sort of defense. But it definitely seems that based upon the election commissioner's investigation that they've identified some illegal contributions. Mm-hmm. The other piece that is new under this legislation is that it's not just about monetary donations either, but it's actually about the valued goods and services that are provided to a campaign. Mm-hmm. And so the emails that have leaked this weekend show that paid staff of Jason Kenney's have been contributing to a competing campaign. And under the current legislation, any sort of professional service like graphic design, speech writing, that type of stuff does need to be recorded as a valued contribution. And A, those contributions were not recorded and reported by the Callaway campaign. And for them to come from an opposing campaign, that would actually be deemed an illegal contribution as well. Ooh, can campaigns not donate to one another? No, uh, under the old rules, it was possible to transfer money between campaigns, but that is no longer the case. Ah, see, yeah. These are these are some of the new things that, and and they are new. That's another, like new as in since the. No, it was in between the leaders, the PC leadership race in 2017 and the UCP leadership race at, or sorry, in um, in the fall of 2017, right? Yep, you bet. The EFCDA legislation was passed um, and took effect in the summer of 2017. So there was a different set of rules that applied between Jason Kenney winning the leadership of the Progressive Conservative Association of Alberta and ultimately winning the leadership of the United Conservative Party. What do you think about Kenney and the UCP having made statements that Callaway's campaign was not a kamikaze campaign and those having been con- contradicted now with the releases and leaks that have happened this weekend oh i think that's just i think that's kind of fantastic because it to me what that says is they know that this is 
wrong. Like there are people who uh, Matt Wolf sent out an email to the UCB caucus today saying, hey, everybody, we all know this is just politics. It's not personal. It was probably personal to some people, I will say. But, you know, that's but that's kind of the standard. Well, this is politics. You know what, though? (laughs) There's a lot of people who hate politics specifically because of act act acts like this um because of the the backroom deal making because of the lying because of the the theater um this this has been this has been an amazing act let's just put it that way it's been going on for a really long time um you know what we're seeing right now is in my opinion, I think that Jason Kenney was trying to establish some plausible deniability, which exactly has been contradicted so many times that I don't even think he can really do that uh, credibly. But I think that's what he's been trying to do. Yeah, um, I, I find it interesting that the story has changed and evolved from the UCP's perspective, and even executive director um, Janice Harrington, uh, where initially they said that the Callaway campaign was not a kamikaze campaign. And I mean, they're still not openly admitting it, but you do have now emails in the Wendy Adams audio recording that show that if not Kenny, at least his most senior inner circle were aware and involved in it. Mm-hmm. And you know, trying to pass this on is just, this is what happens in party leadership races. We did this because it was a ranked ballot and we needed to have support. Mm -hmm. That was kind of the version of events yesterday. But then today, the leak of the emails between the Callaway campaign and Kenny's deputy chief of staff and showing the the alignment on a communications plan, graphic design, uh, you know, even the the kind of periods, um, you know, going against, G- uh, sorry, Brian Jean's credibility when it comes to his fiscal responsibility, and then talking about having videos of screaming Jean. Um, so, so that was kind of interesting to to see that and. Uh, you know, I've I've been involved in a couple of leadership campaigns, and I can certainly say that yes, there is communication normally between leadership campaigns around events and around debates and things like that. But I've never seen this sort of integration between two campaigns, where you see them working so in lockstep to really make sure that it's so symbiotic and supportive of. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but it is. Like, oh, yes, we were just, you know, of course we were just sharing, you know, our staff. Yeah, that's not no. what you do. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so silly. And it, it's funny because you see some UCP supporters online are trying to pass this off as just insider baseball. <laughs> but the people that really understand insider baseball aren't going to buy that explanation. Um, So I think it betrays a little bit that there is an inherent fear that this is going to spill over into the wider public sphere Mm -hmm. to people that aren't political. And they're hoping that that can kind of mitigate 
any potential damage from it leaking out for sure. Yeah, and you know there was um, there was one thing when, and I don't know, is this? Uh, I don't think it's it, it should go someplace else. But uh, when I, I looked this up because when Jeff Calloway um, stepped away from uh, when he resigned. His his quote, and he did this on 770, he said, I came to the conclusion, really, after last night's debate and looking at some other data that ultimately Jason, Kenny and I have are delivering much the same message. So, <laughs> but here's the fun thing. Uh, back in December of 2014, quote, Smith said she was joining the party because Prentice's values were similar to Wild Rose. Does it sound familiar? Kind of does, doesn't it? It kind of does. And as soon as I as soon as I read what his statement was, I was like, that that sounds familiar. Where where did I hear that before? And sometimes I wonder if political operatives actually have a really dark sense of humor and thought this would be kind of funny. <laughs> I doubt that's what happened, but I'm just saying it sounds very similar. Well, it certainly makes you question. Um, I wasn't a part of the progressive conservative or Wild Rose parties when the floor crossing happened, but it's well known and documented now that that was kind of facilitated in the back room mm -hmm. and that's what precipitated the floor crossing. And obviously we know what the results of that were, um, a pretty broad rejection by the electorate in the 2015 election. And, and I kind of wonder, I, I wonder if there's, you know, is this, is this similar? Well, the, the thing that really stood out for me too, that makes this very interesting is you've got some of the same players. We know that, um, for example, uh, Alan Hallman has been involved in the Kenny campaign and helping with organizing. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got the copying of Stephen Harper's associate, uh, Shivali Majumdar. And, you know, it's always been rumored and there's been whispers out there about this being kind of a Ottawa takeover and a smarter attempt by the Conservative Party of Canada to try and get Alberta quote-unquote back on track than the Prentice experiment was. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's, it just lends a little bit of credence. There's definitely no smoking gun, but it definitely lends a little bit of credence to there being a more orchestrated or bigger picture campaign that's being driven by forces from outside of Alberta that at least, I mean, they're from Alberta, but um, that they haven't per se been as involved in Alberta politics for the last at least decade or 15 years now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that this is going to resonate or make much sense to the average voter? Or do you think that this is too insider baseball for it to have any impact? And that's why I that's why I kind of wonder, like when when the Wild Rose crossed to the PCs in 2014, it was uh, voters felt like it was a betrayal. The people who were angriest at that point in time were uh, Wild Rose supporters, but there were I mean there were people 
I think on all from all sides of the spectrum that we're really unhappy with this. The thing is, I think a lot of these people currently support the ND, uh, the UCP. So I, I'm really not sure if this is something that's going to upset people. Um, you know, there's there's so many individuals that say it doesn't matter how we take this over, we just have to do it. So there there is a bit of a difference that I that I kind of I just kind of wonder if it if it will really resonate outside of uh, outside of our little circles of people who really enjoy this stuff. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I have a friend who's a lawyer in the government, and um, we were having dinner some time ago, but uh, she talked about how it seems in Alberta politics there's this circle of, you know, it's probably about 2,000 people, so it's a pretty good size, but of people who are hyper-politically engaged and aware Mm -hmm. and connected through partisan politics, through government, et cetera. And they're kind of the movers and the shakers and they kind of all know each other. They're, they're all interconnected, but outside of that group, there isn't a lot of transition or change or bleed over from that group into the general public. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of things to us that might seem like a big deal or because of partisan politics create a lot of outrage aren't really picked up or on the radar of people who are just going about their everyday lives and don't really pay much attention to politics or policy or government at all Mm -hmm. until it's election time. So, and that's something I'm kind of wondering as well is if the writ is dropped on Tuesday, like it has been rumored, um, but who can really say there's been a lot of rumors about when that might happen. But if that were to happen um, and and people get that people get that impetus, um, as soon as the writ is dropped, that's that's pretty much the, you know, that's the that's the starting gun that says, you should find out what's going on in Alberta politics. Here's something I am questioning is whether or not a a whole bunch of people in Alberta are going to take to their computers if the writ is dropped on, on Tuesday and say, oh, so maybe I should catch up what's been going on and just kind of be shocked. <laughs> because what they're going to see on Tuesday is going to be, you know, political scandals. I, I honestly don't know uh, I don't know how that's going to go over. So if you're the NDP, what are you doing to try and capitalize on this and make hay, so to speak? Uh, you know, I have been a proponent before for uh, delaying the election call. But there are a couple of benefits, I think, to the NDP calling the election on Tuesday. I don't think that Jason Kenney is going to be able to have any sort of press conference. I don't think he's going to be able to be within a foot of media without them asking for answers about this. Kamikaze candidate, uh, kamikaze campaign, uh, possible voter fraud, illegal donations. These are the questions that uh, they, I mean, he already hasn't been able to do it for the last week or two. The last two week or two, his policy announcements, if media is, is present, this is what they're asking about. 
um, after this weekend, they're not they're not going to leave it be. So his his policy dropping, look what the UCP is going to do narrative is going to be uh, blocked every single time as soon as he stops talking and will take questions. So there's a possibility that he might just keep doing Facebook videos and not, uh, you know, out in the woods where the reporters can't find him. But that's not really a good marketing plan if the rate is dropped on Tuesday. So yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, if I was the NDP, I think I would probably advise delaying. I don't know that I would put a timeline on the election, but I would let this kind of stew a little bit and um, be in people's consciousness. For those who don't know that are listening on the podcast, um, most recently, I was the media relations director for the Alberta Party and working with leader Steve Mandel. And I was his media relations person during the time that he was suspended or banned from running in the next election. And we couldn't go in front of media without that being the sole focus. You know, what happens if you lose your court case? What's going to happen um, if you're not the leader? Or if you can't run, are you going to stay on? Or are you going to step down? And so mm. a scandal like this, and especially one that you don't have answers for, is very effective at completely derailing any sort of communications plan or getting any sort of traction or announcements out into the media. And you really do rely upon that to communicate, you know, your vision for governance. And so it, it's definitely detrimental. Um, just like in my phone, I just got a alert. There's been more leaked emails that connect the executive at Stephen Harper's consulting firm to the scandalous kamikaze campaign. The campaign manager said he was told to loop in the Harper and Associates executive by a top Kenny staffer. So it looks like this is going to get more and more gasoline poured on it over the course of the next couple of days. Oh, wow. Looks like your prediction so- of a daily podcast might be true. <laughs> right? I mean, who? we don't expect it to be this busy, but when something this big, and that's the thing, this is actually, this is huge because... For since 2016, what has everyone been saying? This is Jason Kenney's election to lose. That's it. Yeah, yeah it's all I, up to him. I think strategically, um, and again, you know, harking back to my time within the Alberta Party campaign, you know, we were being pushed to release platform planks in November at our AGM, mm-hmm. and it's like the Olympics; like you can peak too early. And if you've put out all of your good news, if you've put out all of your positive messaging, if you've put out all of your vision, and that eats up all of the media cycle six months out from an election, what do you have to give to the voters? What more can you do during the writ period when they're really paying attention? And I think that there's an element of danger for the UCP and for Jason Kenney in this, in that they were so strong out of the gate and so well organized during the unity vote and they've really been campaigning for over two two and a half years now Mm -hmm. um how do you sustain that momentum especially in an organization as large as there is without turning people off without having people tune out and without burning out your fire um and i think that they're at very very serious risk of that um and that's actually part of the reason i thought the ndp should extend for another year oh okay was because Well, actually, no. Okay, I'm sorry. Explain that. Well, (laughs) 
the UCP has done so much to put out policy and platform and positions that if the NDP waits for another year, besides all these scandals coming out and the infighting that's going to happen, you're going to starve them for media attention. They then have to create new content and new stories to be able to generate attention when the election comes. Um, so strategically, I think that you kind of, like I said, you burn out the UCP's energy before the actual writ happens and, and, and then you go from there. Okay. So okay. if you were the Alberta party, um, the Alberta party positions itself as a centrist party, but under leader Stephen Mandel, it's a little more center-right. Mm -hmm. How do you try and capitalize on this and knock loose some votes? I think, I think what you do is, honestly, um, you, you put forward a vision because we haven't seen that. You put forward a vision that, in all honesty, some of the UCP uh, policy drops have not been horrible. Right. So you're so it. generous. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, but I mean, so so use it, use it and make it about you. OK, this is this is something that the UCP has put out. This is a you know, this is a program or a policy that the NDP has recently installed or or something that we feel is working. And this is what we're going to keep. And I think that you get out there and you start saying, we're going to take this, we're going to take this, we think these are great ideas, we're going to put these together, because that is what the Alberta Party stands for. Because we, you know, do agree that good policy comes from every place. And you lay out a vision, because right now, I don't think that Jason Kenney and the UCP are going to be able to lay out a vision, because nobody wants to know what their vision is for the future, because they're too focused on what's been going on for the last year, and what went on almost you know, a year and a half ago during their leadership race. So yeah. they don't have the opportunity to make that, to take that stand. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. You really do have to play up that if fiscal conservatism or fiscal responsibility is important, but you don't like the shenanigans, the backroom games that you rejected as a voter in 2015, you do actually have a progressive, fiscally responsible option with the Alberta party. And then you start to tell that story through the platform releases and the policy positions as you put those out. Um, obviously, I've seen a little bit under the tent in terms of what's in that platform. I think that if communicated well, they've got a really good opportunity to try and capitalize and snag some votes from the UCP here. Mm-hmm. And what do you... And so you've already said that you would suggest that the NDP holds off for a year. Um, how do you, if that's if if that was what they did, how do you communicate that in a way that doesn't? Uh, and, and and maybe there's no way to do it where half the you know uh, the UCP isn't just apoplectic. But how do you try and communicate that if you decide to hold off for a year? Well, I think the messaging is fairly straightforward. It's not very often, in fact, I would argue almost unprecedented, that you've got a premier in waiting who is connected to criminal investigations <laughs> around voter fraud, around illegal donations. And 
Jason Kenney has done a really good job of giving himself a degree of separation with respect to plausible deniability. Lots of people to be able to throw under the bus, but he hasn't been perfect. And in the emails that were leaked today by Cameron Davies, he talks about meetings that involved Kenny and the Callaway campaign discussions. He talks about being at a party that celebrated after Callaway dropped out and, you know, recognizing or appreciating their donors and being involved in that. So that that circles a little bit tighter and it's a little bit sloppier than um, I kind of expected out of somebody who's such a tactical politician. And uh, so I think that you just say, you know, before voters can make a choice, we want to make sure that they've got all the facts and information and that the premier in waiting isn't going to potentially face criminal charges or that you're not going to see the RCMP marching into the federal building and pulling key senior federal or key senior government officials out in handcuffs, right? Mm-hmm. I, as a voter, forgetting what I feel about um, Mr. Kenny personally, I just think that those questions have to be answered before we go to the ballot box. Um, the other piece is just looking at the polling, if it's to be believed. I know that uh, there's a lot of skepticism around polling recently, but the NDP has nothing to lose. This is a fait accompli in most Albertans' minds that they've already lost this election. So Mm -hmm. if you delay for a year and you set the UCP operatives and leadership's hair on fire, they were never going to vote for the NDP anyway. It gives you an opportunity, if you're not Lee's government, to do a little bit more work on trying to turn the economy around. They've had a couple of not very favorable jobs reports. Um, It gives you an opportunity to potentially have the federal government issue resolved and have a pipeline under construction. And I just, I see no upside to going earlier unless there's more concrete information that really paints Kenny and the UCP in a dark light that spills over into the wider public consciousness. And I think that this is very, very close to having that happen. That would be the only reason that I would advise to go a little bit earlier. Okay. And I would, I think I would disagree just a little bit. Um, One of the things that I've noticed online and granted uh, it's not the best place to really obtain what normal people think because normal people don't spend their time on social media talking about politics. So I'm aware of this, but I will also say that there are, there are some good arguments that people have put forward and saying that it shouldn't be up to the government to decide whether or not it's up to, or sorry, whether or not I get to vote kind of thing, whether or not uh, that I should wait for this this investigation to be over. I I don't disagree that withholding the election will, like you said, I, I don't think it I don't think it would hurt them any more than having an election right away. But I wouldn't use that. I, I wouldn't use the uh, the we know what's best. I wouldn't use that as messaging. I would make it strictly economical and I would tie it 100% to uh, the Trans Mountain expansion. 
and I I would just I would keep it I would keep it economics this is what our government has been doing our government has has you know got the process to here and we don't feel that we would be doing our due diligence uh, that we would be doing our best by Albertans if we stopped working on it um, or if we you know if we gave someone else a chance to uh, mess this up it's too important I think they should stick with a, an economic uh, an economic argument somehow yeah fair enough uh, obviously the potential downside of that being that the government doesn't actually get anything done on the pipeline or and, that they do or that they do yeah and <laughs> I, I think boom, that that's probably and you're done <laughs> yeah well I, I think that that's probably a bigger fear for the UCP is that the NDP does actually wind up delivering the NDP yeah. and the Liberals Federalists yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Um, I still think there's a long legislative road ahead, though. I think you're going to see quite a few more challenges on the pipeline. And then mm -hmm. I do anticipate that you're going to see the federal liberals approve the pipeline. Um, Minister of Natural Resources, Amarjeet Sohi, was on the radio. I want to say it was on Thursday. And um, he did say that he expected the consultations, the redo of the Indigenous consultations to wrap up within about 90 days. And uh, so I think that probably towards the end of spring, the start of summer, somewhere in that June 20th to 30th range, you're going to probably see an announcement from the federal government. So, Okay. And yeah, I, I do expect it to be approved. I do expect it to go forward. I just... I do have I do have a bit of an issue. I hope that whoever you know gets to take credit for it is uh, still in government when that happens. Well, regardless, <laughs> I think whoever winds up in government when it happens, I'll take credit for it. So. I know, and that's just not right. <laughs> what do you think the process forward is as far as the UCP getting their campaign back on track? Is this something they're just going to have to hide from. Um, obviously, things are continuing to leak out. What do they do? Huh. Uh, okay. Let's think logically here. So, um, so everything that they have done, everything that they have claimed is basically based on a lie. So, they have two options. One, they keep denying and hope that enough people will back them up on this and say it doesn't matter. They did what it take the what it what it took to win. There's a very strong possibility that enough people may get behind that. They do risk alienating people who voted against the perception of PC entitlement and arrogance. That's something that really hasn't stuck, I think, in the general public about Jason Kenney which is weird, but I think that's the case. So that's option one. You just you just go with it and you say, yep, I did this. Now, unfortunately, they do have, like we said, that mixture of some possible criminal uh, activities as well as just ethically, it wasn't even questionable, just poor ethical decisions that were made. So 
they've they've got to balance that obviously because I don't think that Mr. Kenny actually wants to you know get a record over any of this but there's a possibility that you can just put it out there and say yes this is this is what we did because this is how much we care this is how much we believe in Alberta this is how much we believe only we know how to save it um be, I, that might work for them though so there's there's that the other possibility and I will quote uh Stephen Carter squish him like a bug remove Kenny say you know what the membership the board has gotten together and said guess what this is not what we this is not what we signed up for this is not what we wanted and remove him I think those are their two options do you think Kenny and I would argue even Harper's ego would allow that <laughs> nope yeah so you know like I I honestly I can see them I I can see Kenny making a making an announcement and saying you know yeah we we absolutely used Jeff Calloway as a kamikaze candidate and this is why we did it and you know we love Alberta I, I I think I don't think they have much to lose with that. They have something to lose, but I don't think it's as much. Yeah, I, I think as far as like the kamikaze campaign in and of itself, that's yes, it's back room and yes, it's insider baseball. It's more the voter fraud allegations and right. the illegal donations. The illegal donations, you pay a fine, you might get banned from running. As long as Kenny himself or any of his candidates didn't make those illegal donations, obviously they've shown that they're not hesitant to quickly expunge somebody from the party or a position of influence if they really step in it. Yeah. Um, so I think there's some merit to that, just saying, yeah, you know what, we did a kamikaze campaign this was too important um you know we we've seen that brian jean isn't committed to unity he's working with Derek fildebrandt and uh, we still think Al most albertans want to get rid of the ndp bad enough that they'll overlook this mm -hmm. um you know maybe they'll hold me accountable at a future leadership race or or in a future election but this one is too important for us to you know, lose sight of the goal, which is get rid of the NDP and get Alberta back on track. So mm -hmm. what other potential landmines do you think are waiting or that <laughs> we might see come forth? Uh, with this crew? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, I think those, I, th I think they're very possibly a lot more than what we even know about. Like this is, I mean, the stuff that's coming forward right now does tell you it it does tell you a few things it says that they were willing to maybe bring certain people into that inner circle and maybe they weren't treated very well i think there's an issue of loyalty um that's why jason kenny surrounded himself with a bunch of his previous staffers from ottawa right he brought them here because those are the people that he trusts um I, I think I, I think there's a good possibility for some major implosion if uh, Brian Jean were to say this is 
this just this just can't stand. This is definitely not what Wild Rose what Wild Rose voted for. This is not what principled conservatives voted for. That could be, you know, the the problems that they are bringing into this next week really just give some fire to somebody else. And he could really take it. That's a I think that's a big one. I did see a bunch of commentary online as well that said, uh, you know, this would be a this would be political suicide for Brian Jean. And I just think, you know, there there's a lot of people who aren't happy with Jason Kenney. I was at the PC leadership convention. Um, there's a lot of people that didn't want to see the party die. They didn't want to see Jason Kenney kill it. And they didn't want to follow Jason Kenney. So there's there's appetite still. And I think that's probably one of the biggest ones is is a worry that, that, that all of this stuff actually gives more ammunition to somebody else. And right now I think that somebody else might be uh, someone like Brian Jean who, yeah, it might have only come out at 35%, but... 58,000 people voted in the grand scheme of things of 2 million potential voters, a little over 2 million potential voters in Alberta. That is nothing. So, yeah. And the other thing, um, I know of some people who were at community events and there were UCP organizers there and they were handing out memberships. So these memberships had been paid for by somebody else. And it was basically a, a, data mining operation for all intents and purposes they would ask for your name your phone number your address now you're a UCP member now you're a UCP <laughs> member and I personally know of people that have received contribution receipts and who have been put into their mailing list that to their knowledge had never been a conservative party member we're talking Wild Rose or Progressive Conservative or United Conservative Party. Mm -hmm. And so at some point along the way, whether it's through third party advertisers or PACs or community events where there's been a petition signed, there's been a data mining process that has put names and contributor information into the UCP's database mm -hmm. that doesn't belong there. And that's problematic because if you signed up 20,000 real people who didn't know they were signing up as members and those emails then were intercepted and used to vote for leadership, that leadership doesn't have integrity it's not a real win right. and I, I think that that's why you're seeing a lot of the grassroots members who are stepping away uh, influential people like Bernard the Roughneck who you know tweeted about I'm door knocking and I've got a membership list and these people are looking at me like I'm crazy they have no idea what the UCP is let alone Jason Kenney Mm -hmm. And uh, so when you start to see stuff like that, and the UCP is trying to spin this as it's the over-caffeinated lefties on Twitter, it's <laughs> the NDP just trying to smear us. But the thing is, is this stuff is coming from true blue conservatives who helped build this movement, yeah. who were nominated as candidates, who have donated, who have organized, who've helped put this whole movement together. 
And yes, some of them have been disqualified or pushed out of the party or kicked out of the party, but it's really interesting that it's coming from the conservative movement. It's not like this is rumors or innuendo. These are emails. These are text messages. These are phone calls. These are traceable contributions through banks that have been made by conservative members. And so I think that that's the piece that has the potential to stick. Mm -hmm. And I saw this a little bit in the last campaign and with the Alison Redford government. Um, Obviously I've been, always fairly political but when my social circle that wasn't political started to ask questions about it or knew about it mm-hmm. that's when when you get outside of that sphere of the five percent of people who are politically engaged and astute and aware and it starts to get into the consciousness of the general public that's when you start to see a change in momentum and mm-hmm. I think that that's the thing that the UCP should be most concerned about is that bit by bit information starts to leak out of a person like Cameron Davies or Matt Wolf, people that have been thrown under the bus to try and save the leader, but then either because they're facing large charges or fines, Mm -hmm. they start to share information and bit by bit the whole picture starts to come out. So. Yeah, I I honestly, I can't imagine what could possibly come next, but I don't think we're done. Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I think that, you know, I, I referenced that press progress story that came out tonight after we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that you're going to see probably a little bit deeper connection to the federal conservative party and their organization Um, And particularly Stephen Harper and his associates, I think you're going to see that connection made a little more black and white. Mm -hmm. Uh, What do you think the motivations are for people like Gill and Mann and Davies who now aren't in the party or aren't connected? What's the benefit of having invested all this time working on unity and then kind of torpedoing it on the way out? There's a... There's a couple of different schools of thought, right? Jason Kenney's favorite thing to say is, or or UCP supporters are like, oh, these are just sour grapes. These are just people who are not on the inside circle anymore. Um, you saw it in some of the responses from uh, Janice Harrington regarding Prab Gill. Just she would reference, you know, I'm so sorry that you can't that we decided you couldn't run from for us because you did this ballot stuffing thing. Um, like it just seemed so, uh, like, like you're, you're just, you're just complaining, um, pat, pat on the head, you know, go take your time out. But, you know, I think I mentioned this, I think I mentioned this last time that I think there's a, there's a possibility that when you're watching this happen to other people and as small as, as the, Uh, super engaged uh, political individuals might be it is a small circle but we really don't know everyone and there's been a a lot of new people that have popped up in in the UCP uh, who weren't really you know members of (laughs) that too Uh, so there's there's a number of people that that are kind of new and I think when you're seeing the number of contested nominations and things like that they're 
you you might look at what's going on in another area and think, wow, you know, that person was doing this. And you know this because that was the story that that was fed to the media. And until it happens to you, so there's a very good possibility that that Happy Man and Prab Gill and Cameron Davies, um, you know, Aaron Deep Singh, that that they are looking at it and saying, you know, maybe they did go along with some things before. Maybe they did. I mean, Happy Man obviously did. Uh, they did go along with some of this. And when promises that were made to them were reneged upon, then now they're saying, like, okay, so why, you know, I don't want to be used. I was willing to help, but I'm not willing to be used. So it's very possible, again, that loyalty, right? It just, it wasn't something I think that, that Kenny has tried to build in the party. And it's, it's becoming apparent now that, you know, if you're going to, if you're not going to keep your promises, well, they're not going to, they're not going to take the fall for you. So yeah, that's totally. kind of where I'm sitting with, with those. I mean, it's, it's really up in the air, honestly, what it could be, what they decided was the final uh, straw, but, you know, and in the end they have nothing to lose now. They're yeah. out. So why not? Yeah, and not well, everybody and has. They really stuck their neck out for this project and put their reputations on the line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get involved in politics, you always expect there's going to be an element of skullduggery and digging up on your dirt, that type of stuff. But mm-hmm. when it happens from people that you've been really loyal to or committed to, granted, in both Gil and Mann's case, some of the their problems were brought on by their own actions. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's a level of naivety for sure. But they've invested so much time and done so much to help out this cause. And I think there's a, a big sense of betrayal. And so it's kind of, you know, they they pin their hopes and dreams on this. And now, I mean, nobody's going to touch most of these people with a 10-foot pole following this, right? So, right. Yeah. And that's kind of something else as well with... Um... Uh, with it's not just it's not just the political sphere that these promises that were made to them so with happy man uh, Aaron Deep you know both of these individuals and there certainly could be more but in particular both of these individuals very likely um, you know they had they had the support of their families. They had the support of friends. They were gaining support from others. When something that they were that they were told would happen, like the democratic vote, maybe um, when they they basically stick, like you said, they they staked their own reputation. This is what I was told is going to happen. They went around and told people this is what's going to happen, and then they were made to look like fools. Yeah, fair. So it, I think it, I think it goes further than the political sphere. Like, yes, you might be upset, but we're talking about like this. This could be the person's entire community, right? Yeah, totally. Well, one thing is for sure: the next week and. Several months are going to be very interesting in Alberta and in federal politics. Mm-hmm. What do you have on your radar? 
Ah, what do I have on my radar? Um, I mean, we still need to get through you know, some some federal stuff. Watching uh, the Jody Wilson Raybould. I don't even know what to call it. Um, if it's an if it's an issue for the liberals, uh, there's so much. It's changing so quickly that I find it difficult to keep up with. Well, you know, because Alberta politics is so busy, I don't have time to look at other things. So that's that's something that that I think needs some attention. And honestly, for for Alberta politics, it's it's kind of a one day at a time. We obviously everyone's on the the edge of their seat, and by everyone I mean a small group of us. Uh, when the writ's going to be dropped, so. That's, I wish I could say it's on my radar, but I can't guarantee that. Things are changing too quickly in Alberta politics, too. For sure. Yeah, so obviously we have the throne speech tomorrow, mm-hmm. and uh, Rachel Notley was officially nominated today, meaning yes. the NDP now has 87 candidates confirmed. Uh, so possible election call on Tuesday that was the rumor that we were hearing from people within the NDP caucus. We mm-hmm. have the federal budget comes down on Tuesday. There's going to be more SNC maneuvering as well. The Justice Committee is still attempting to get Jody Wilson-Raybould to testify yeah. again in front mm-hmm. of them. And uh, the federal conservatives actually tried to pull a procedural move to delay the delivery of the federal budget today, but the liberals were able to prevent that from happening. And uh, we also have a federal cabinet shuffle happening tomorrow as well, small one. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 With Jane Philpott leaving. So one thing's for sure, we're going to have lots to talk about. And (laughs) uh, so look forward to talking with everybody next time. Yes. Can't wait. This has been the Political R&D Podcast with Robbie Krieger-Smith. And Deirdre Mitchell-McLean. Where can people find you online, Deirdre? At Mitchell underscore AB. And you can find me online at RKS Alberta. The Political R&D Podcast is currently available on Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Pocket Cast, and will soon be available on iTunes and Stitcher. You can also find us on Twitter at Political R&D. Bye, Ravi. Bye, Deirdre.